0: Sox on 35th is next.
1: Doors open on the left.
0: How's it going, everybody? My name is Duke Hoffman, and welcome to the Sox on 35th podcast. We are back with another exciting episode covering your Chicago White Sox. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcasts also, be sure to check out the website at sockson35th.com as well as following us on Facebook and Twitter at Socks on35th. We have a winner in our home opener ticket giveaway. Our winner, drum roll please, is Preston Andrews. Be sure to DM the Socks on35th Twitter account. We'll get you hooked up, buddy. Uh, thank you to everyone who participated uh, and subscribed to our YouTube channel, followed us on Twitter. We appreciate all the support that we get. Um, very much appreciated. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Jordan Lazowski and Nick Gower, as well as our guest, Adam Kaplan, set to join us a little bit later in the episode. Gentlemen, we are hovering around the final roster cutdown as we inch closer to opening day. Um, What are your initial thoughts regarding the final few roster spots available?
2: Yeah, first of all, good to be back. Good to be back as usual. Um, Nice to get in the routine of recording every week and getting something out every week. Um with this being the last full week before spring training kind of kind of comes to a close, um final decisions have to be made. I'm I'm excited to see kind of what Pedro Grafal decides in terms of some of those roster decisions toward the end that, you know, may not make as much of, of a wave in terms of, you know, what we actually see on the field, but might make a wave in terms of the tone that's being set um a- as well as sort of his guidance on you know practicing what he preaches and really being accountable and earning your spot so i'm excited to see kind of what those few last spots end up looking like because of that
1: yeah me too i think that it'll really give some insight as to how griffle feels about team building we already know a little bit about that given the guys that he's brought in i mean that the team has brought in that he has ties to but this will be probably the most um full look we get and the most accurate look we get at how he, how he believes that. And I'm really just happy that there's nothing too major that we're waiting on. Like, of course, the bench battles are, are interesting, but because they signed Andrews, there's not really like that big position battle. Like, I think Oscar Colas has, has really established himself as the clear starting right fielder. Obviously, the second base battle, there is none anymore because Gonzalez and Sosa, if anything, are just bench pieces at this point, more likely in AAA. So it's nice to not have like you know, that one stress point, like we can kind of just chill and just wait for the the lesser spots to, to decide themselves.
0: Yeah, no, I I think it is really nice to have like the core of your roster set in place. You know, it feels like the heavy hitters in the bullpen, they're kind of set in the roles that they're going to be set up in. Um, I know it kind of seems like Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly are potentially going to be those uh, back end guys as well as an Aaron bummer Um, until we get an update on what's going on with Liam Hendricks. And it's nice really seeing the infield kind of round out, you know, because that is an issue that we've had over the past few years. Uh, but before we get too uh, detailed into that, as far as the bullpen goes, it seems like we're kind of, we've kind of got the majority of it taken. Um, it seems like we're going to run with eight guys. Is there anybody do you th- that you think is going to be uh, kind of near that cut point? Is there anybody that you think will make it, won't make it, that's like in a real danger of losing their spot? um just just some names that come up. I know Jose Ruiz had quite the uh quite uh, quite the performance in the WBC, so that's uh, an interesting conversation. But Jordan, how are you feeling about the bullpen right now?
2: I mean, it's hard to feel as great as you could given that Liam Hendricks isn't going to be part of the picture at least for now. Um for me, it, it kind of looks like there's at least what two or three spots really that are open. When when you Factoring in guys like Graveman, Kelly, Deakman, Bummer, um, those types of guys who you know are going to be there. I'm operating under the assumption that Davis Martin will also make this roster. And then from there, you essentially have I think two spots where you say, alright, you have a Rule 5 pick in Nick Avila, you have Gregory Santos, who's looked really good um, throughout the course of this spring training. You have um... Jose Ruiz, as previously mentioned, and you're essentially sitting there and you have Franklin Herman. So you have four guys there. You're kind of picking between two of them, I guess. I'd say Avila because he's a Rule 5 pick and Ruiz, because he's out of options, probably have um, the upper hand there. I wouldn't mind taking a chance on Santos and uh, seeing if you can pass Ruiz through waivers. I don't think they'll be able to do that. Um, But personally... I'm going to sit here and assume Davis Martin makes the roster and Nick Vila makes the roster. Um, and then I'll, I'll say for the sake of it, Ruiz makes it just because when you have options, you're valuable and teams tend to use those options whenever they can.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that Santos and Herman have been very impressive to the point where I wouldn't have any issues handing them a spot. However, because they have options and even without Hendricks, there are so many different choices you can go with. They will probably start in AAA. However, we'll probably see both at some point just due to injuries and whatnot. But overall, I mostly agree with Jordan. I think that it makes sense because you have your your core guys. You know, Lopez, Graveman, Bummer, maybe to potentially lock down the ninth inning. But as for the other spots, the one thing I disagree on is I don't think Davis Martin is necessarily a lock to make the roster. I think he'll actually play a pretty big role this season just because if any starting pitcher has to miss even one start, it's probably Martin who who gets the call but I can see them starting him in AAA and having him start there to just maintain an inning space. And then the major league bullpen, having Nick Avila be that guy where if you have, you know, a starter who gets shelled and it's the third inning Avila comes in and throws two or three, which he did in the minor leagues last year. And he kind of plays that long relief world because if you have eight relievers in your bullpen, ideally, depending on how the starting pitching goes, you won't need a true long man. And I, I, you know, really, tempting fate saying that because you know, you you know you never know when you need a long reliever. It's really valuable to have one. But I think that Avila can be that guy. And then because I'm not putting Martin on that roster, then you do have room for both Jimmy Lambert and Jose Ruiz. And Ruiz, I mean, he's very interesting because in low leverage spots in the last few years he's been very good and in high leverage he's been not so good. And you never know when that's gonna shift. But at the same time I do think there's value when somebody even if Moore might not necessarily agree. There's value in somebody who can throw 60, 65 innings a year at a 4 ERA where you can just trust him to be you know, about a league average pitcher. But that being said, I also understand those who don't want him on the roster just because he's a little redundant with a lot of the power righties in the bullpen.
2: Yeah, I think it's good to have those types of guys, like you're talking about Ruiz. I just, I'm just not convinced they don't already have someone who can do that. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm not married to giving him a roster spot just because he's basically Mariano Rivera when it comes to garbage time. Um, I, for me, I look at it, and one guy I did forget to mention was Jimmy Lambert. You need somebody, kind of how who, who, both of it, Nick and I have alluded to. You need somebody who is going to step up, and when you need two, three, four innings, maybe give them to you. Nick Avila might do that. I think it's fair to question whether or not they want to entrust someone um, taking two, three innings at a time uh, to someone who hasn't pitched above double A. That's why I think someone like Davis Martin or even Jimmy Lambert makes more sense there. I I think if Martin doesn't make the roster, I think it's in favor of Lambert um, versus someone like a Herman or a Santos or something like that. I, I think, Martin is going to play, I think we do agree, a crucial role at, at some point this year. Um, I'm just coming from a, from the standpoint of, you know, you look here's a guy who pitched successfully in the majors, probably doesn't have much else to prove in the minors if he's only going to get 100 innings this year. I think they're more valuable at the major league level. That being said, as long as you have somebody who's going to go those two, three-inning outings when necessary... I I guess I don't particularly care who it is, mostly because if that happens, craps at the fan essentially. So,
0: yeah. So I think I think I'm with Nick on this. um, To be to be totally honest here, Jordan, just not just to completely destroy the points you were just making or anything, but um, I do think with Davis Martin still being fairly young to the major league game, I think um, getting an opportunity to move him down to AAA. Early on in the season, have him down there doing consistent starts every fifth day. I think that would go a long way if we end up running into injury issues within the rotation moving forward, because he is he is a rotation piece. That's the type of arm he's used as. Um, I understand, you know, the argument could be made similar to how we used Michael Kopech in the past. Um, you know, kind of ramping him up in the bullpen before we ended up putting him into the rotation. But I think when you compare a guy like Michael Kopech, Davis Martin, you look at a guy like Davis Martin who. I just want to get him as many starts as humanly possible, and I don't necessarily want to get him acclimated to a bullpen role, really at all, because I think he is a guy who has the potential to be a long-term rotation piece, uh, whether it's the back end of the rotation or not. um You know, it's going to hit a certain point where the White Sox moving forward aren't going to be able to just continue these one-year deals at the back end of a bullpen, similar to Johnny Cueto last year and similar to Mike Clevenger this year. So. Um, I'm not sure what the the plan is for him, but I would not mind seeing him get moved to AAA, Not because I don't, I wouldn't want him on a major league roster, but because I think he plays much more pivotal pivotal of a role than just a bullpen arm. And I think that leaves the door open for a guy like Jimmy Lambert, who can be that four inning guy if you need him. You know, as you guys highlighted a little bit, um, Avila. I think that's a guy who really he's you know rule five draft i think that's the guy who just is kind of set to make the roster and you know i think with jose ruiz that's going to be a big sign for pedro grafal about the way he wants to move move forward with this roster because you look at him he's a guy who's been with the roster for a while um he's been through two managers he's been trusted by two managers moving you know from rick Renteria to tony larusa to take up uh significant time out of the bullpen we're going to see where jose ruiz lines up with pedro Cafal's plan so it's going to be really interesting to see but if i had to pick three um on the outside looking in that would be making the ross or making the bullpen at the end i would have to go with lambert Avila, and uh ruiz with martin potentially um moving down so but i mean, I there's, mean a lot, there's a lot of different ways that could go you know
2: yeah and i mean at the end of the day i'm fine with davis martin not making this roster i'm not sitting here saying he has to make this roster i'm putting my foot down whatever i'm just commenting it from the standpoint of and duke you said it perfectly it's like someone needs to fill that michael kopech role i'm not sure it should be nick avila just simply because you have to be willing to trust someone who hasn't pitched above double a at all to be a multi inning guy that's where maybe lambert makes more sense Um, as long as somebody's filling that role whatever it might be
0: yeah, and I think I think even Reynaldo Lopez can go a couple innings if he needs to. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're a lot more comfortable with him being a back end bullpen guy or even middle of the bullpen at this point, but he's a guy that if you do need him to go a couple innings, we know he can do it. He's done it in the past. Um, but moving forward, you know, I feel like that's really good discussion about the bullpen. There's uh a, there's a, it's a little bit of an interesting conversation a lot of people really haven't been having. At least I haven't seen it so far. Um, as far as the final bench spots uh as far as position players go, Jordan, I'll let you go ahead and start. How are you feeling about the final four spots?
2: This is this is a really hard final four to put together because there's a lot of different ways you can kind of structure it. I think the one thing I'll say is I didn't necessarily prioritize speed. Um, and the reason is if the bases are a couple inches or I forget the exact calculation closer together um, – you kind of lose a little bit of the value of B- Billy Hamilton just because someone with a little less speed than Billy Hamilton can become Billy Hamilton in this sense. Um, this might. Th- this is kind of the other big piece of this. Um, I didn't put Gavin Sheets on the final roster. I chose Sebby Zavala, the obvious backup catcher. I don't think uh, that should be a surprise to anyone. Larry Garcia, that's a surprise coming from my mouth. Uh, Jake Marisnik as the true fourth outfielder, um, and Jake Berger. I had a difficult time justifying not putting him on this roster, mostly from the standpoint of, and it kind of goes along with Sheets, I don't see a situation where Gavin Sheets is making this roster. Or or not necessarily making this roster, um, but making a lineup on a day-to-day basis. Against a right-hander, Coloss will be out there in right field. I think that's a fair assumption from all of us. Vaughn will play first base. I don't see how he cracks the roster there. And I don't see how he cracks the lineup against a left-handed pitcher. Because if you want to give Colas a break, well, then you'd shift someone like Marisnik out there or put Eloy out there and then let Berger DH. Because of Colas in the outfield now, I think being a foregone conclusion, I don't see a spot right now for Jake Berger. But I'm willing to be swayed on this one. Or excuse me, I don't see a spot for Gavin Sheets in favor of Jake Berger. But I'm willing to be swayed.
1: Got it. Yeah, that's interesting because my mock bench is very different from yours, which I think speaks to just how many options there are. For example, at catcher, obviously, I agree. I mean, in an ideal world, Carlos Perez would really um, just—I mean, his defense was pretty good in the minors, which is why I was surprised in the majors, and maybe it was just you know the rookie jitters, but he was a little shaky back there behind the plate. So I'm, I'm hoping that he improves there and and really comes on as a potential backup option later in the year. But for now, I totally agree with Zavala. One thing you said, Jordan, that was interesting to me was that the new stolen base rules and just or pickoff rules in the bigger bases make it less valuable for someone like Billy Hamilton to be on your roster. Because I kind of, I, I understand that. I haven't thought of it that way. But I also think it makes someone like Hamilton himself more valuable in a sense because he's already a prolific base stealer and just having the pickoff limits and the shorter distance between bases, even if it's very minor, if anything it makes his efficiency, potentially better. And for that reason, I think that I do have him on my roster for that reason. I think that I could see him as a late inning pinch runner pretty much in any close game. And I, the way I, the reason I like that so much is because he wouldn't necessarily have to start many games because you have options with Jimenez at DH. Like if Benintendi or or Colas needs a day off, for example, you, I mean, sorry for those who never want Jimenez in the field, but maybe you start Jimenez in the field one of those days and DH or bench the other. So you, it's nice to have a specialist like Hamilton on the bench where he doesn't have to start but he still provides value. That's my my quick take on that. And then as for the rest of the spots, I think that again, in my ideal world, Garcia would not make the roster. It's kind of a question to me of um of when, not if they DFA him. Although I agree that in, in all probability he probably does make the roster. However, if he's not on the roster, I put Gonzalez on there, Romy Gonzalez, because I want somebody who is capable of playing positions like shortstop, third base, and the corner outfield spots um, at a better level than Garcia, pretty much. And in addition, I also put Gavin Sheets. Although, like Jordan, I'm not that crazy about like, the Sheets versus Berger debate. I can be swayed in either direction just because I agree that Sheets wouldn't have that many opportunities to start, and Berger, I think, as a, someone who can mash left-handed pitching, would have a lot of value. But when it comes to Sheets, I just can imagine, you know, late in a game, runners on second and third, two outs, and Elvis Andrews at the plate against the right-handed pitcher. That's like one scenario where I can imagine myself saying, oh, it would be nice to have sheets right now. And we know Andrew Vaughn has some uh, back soreness right now. Hopefully that doesn't linger, but you know how backs are. If it does, it would be nice to have someone to fill in at first base where you feel like they're a threat with the bat. But again, kind of like Jordan, I'm not that married to all of this. I I mean, other than Zavala, I just think it would be nice to have room for specialists, um, at least in theory.
2: I completely agree on the, the fact of needing a left-handed bat off the bench, and it it bothers me that I don't have a left-handed bat off the bench, other than, of course, Leary Garcia. But that that is that is a left-handed hitting person off the bench, not necessarily a bat. Um, I think Leary Garcia only makes it just because he'll kind of get the Jeff Kepinger treatment of... You get a couple months to figure this out, and if not, we have guys like Roman Gonzalez ready to go behind you. Um, but other than that, with with the Mariznick versus Hamilton, I can go either way. I'm going to take Mariznick because the small difference in speed is helped by the bigger bases and the shorter baselines, and I feel more confident in him if needed as a bat. With Hamilton, I feel like I'm just putting him to, into run where. I can just have Mariznick do that in that case. Um, it, it's a, it's a difficult debate because either way, I'm not fully satisfied with my bench to be honest, because I left off a left-handed bat. And I think that's incredibly important to have.
0: So I might start a Jeff Kepinger jar for you, Jordan, just, just <laughs> every time you bring him up, I'm just like taken back to a time of white Sox history that I just would rather not remember. Um, I don't think there's necessarily a bad argument towards Larry Garcia kind of getting that treatment, though. I definitely understand that argument. Um, and you guys make a lot of really good points about um, kind of the positives of, say, a Jake Berger or Gavin Sheets on the roster. Um, I, I'm kind of taking the opposite approach here. I, I have a really hard time keeping both Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger off the roster. That's, that's where I'm currently standing right now. Um, I think you have the potential of a guy like... Um, of Gavin sheets playing in right field. Um, I think that's kind of where they've really used him a lot quite a bit in spring training You have a guy like Jake Berger who can play both corner spots in the uh, in the infield I think that uh, adds a lot of value as well um, I also think if a guy like Hansel Alberto ends up making the roster, he can play both middle infield spots, which is a big plus as far as uh, you know giving Tim Anderson or even Elvis Andrews, who's probably on a little bit of the older side of playing every day, um, a day off at second base. But yeah, my, my four guys, Sebby Zavala is the obvious one because like there's just not enough cooks in the kitchen as far as catcher goes right now. And we've already seen a little bit of where our younger catchers are kind of getting placed in minor league systems. Um, I have Jake Berger making this roster because it's just impossible to, to deny what he's done this spring, and it's impossible to deny what he's done when he's been given an opportunity even on the major league level, so I really think it's hard to keep a guy like Jake Berger off the roster, I think it gives um, Yoel Mankata an opportunity to have those off days because, you know, as as we know, and I'm a huge Yoan Mankata guy, Um, He is a guy who can be a little bit on the injury-prone side, so we need that guy who can play the hot corner consistently. I think Jake Berger is somebody who gets a a very bad rap as far as defensively playing the corner. I think it's an incredibly difficult position, and not everybody can be Yohan Mankato over there, but he's somebody who can play every once in a while at third base without being a huge liability. And I think he's taken a lot more reps at first base than a guy like Gavin Cheats this season or uh, this uh, spring so far. But Gavin is a guy who I believe in the minors did play sparingly in left field. And we do know that he has played a decent amount in right field and he has come into camp looking fairly kind of spry in a step. You know, it seems like he's a little bit on the slimmer side than we've seen him in the past. Um, I think that's because he was kind of prepared to potentially play outside um, in the corners, in the outfield. Um, but yeah, no, I have to go. Jake Berger, Sebby Zavala, Hanser Alberto. Shout out Chuck Garfine and uh, Gavin Sheets. Um, I think Hanser has also kind of proven that he can be very valuable in his role as well. Um, at at the middle of the infield, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up messing around with him potentially in the outfield as well. But I think I think to the speed argument that you guys made, you have Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Andrew Benintendi. You know, Elvis Andrews can still move um, Oscar Colas being a young guy. He can still move fairly well. Um, you, st- you have a decent amount of, of run in your lineup where I don't think holding a guy as far as just speed is that valuable on, on the bench, you know, and I think Jordan, you made a really great point with the uh, base size. I don't think that, I think that's something that could potentially uh, run into run into um, a little bit, a little bit different issues, but I don't think it's something near, uh, that's nearly as important as it was in years past, and I think that's where the Billy Hamilton idea kind of gets lost. And I think when you have a guy like Andrew Benatendi who can play center field on, a, on, say, a day where Luis Robert is either resting or is injured, that goes a long way as to uh, setting up your corners. You, know, you still have a guy like Aloy Jimenez, who is somebody you are going to be able to not – you can't keep Aloy Jimenez out of the lineup if he's healthy. You know, And if you have to play him in left field for a day, you have to play him in right field for a day – yeah, the fan fanboys on Twitter are not going to be happy about it, but it's something you're going to have to deal with because you have to keep that bat in the lineup and you're going to have to keep Aloy moving. You know what I mean? He's he's a guy that if he's going to be getting into shape, yeah, maybe every once in a while playing the outfield is not going to be the worst thing in the world for him. So, um,
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's
0: essentially how I'm feeling about the bench right now.
1: Yeah, so I think that the one thing we all agree on based on what we've said is that we want to have people where they can back up at a position and it won't be like, Gavin, she's playing right field, like a a true defender of that position. Like we all have someone who can play backup shortstop, for example, even though Andres could as well. So that's good. I think just to clarify on the Hamilton point, I was pretty much, I don't know about exclusively, but I was mainly thinking about Grandal, honestly, like Grandal takes a walk late in a game and it's, you know, the ninth inning. I understand that Jake Marisnik or somebody else, like at least that's a big upgrade. I mean, anybody would be a big upgrade there speed wise, but I just think of a Grandal walk becoming like a double in, in, in a sense, in that case, and that being good. But I agree that's a pretty limited um, scope overall, so I get where you guys are coming from. As for burger and Sheets, I think that my gut says only one of them will make the team. I, I have a hard time seeing them do both. But, I mean, you never know. Maybe one of them is in A and is putting up, like, a 950 OPS and kind of forces the issue. That would be great to see. It's the kind of thing where... I think their performance and you know real games might dictate how fans feel about them more. So it's kind of like a wait, wait and see thing for me, especially because they have options. So you might as well ride it out one more year with them and and really reassess. You know, maybe around the trade deadline or or if not, then in the off season.
2: And I think that's what the sacks have done overall is give themselves the ability to be flexible and utilize options. You know, you're like well, why didn't they just re-sign Adam Engel? It's like, well, you would have had to guarantee him a spot on this roster. You're, there's no minor league deal with an invite to spring training happening with Adam Engel. So it's like, if, if you can't keep Marisnyk, that's fine. If you decide to go this way or that way, that's fine. I think they've given themselves a lot of flexibility, which makes these conversations a lot more difficult.
0: Yeah, and I really think this is where we're going to see how much uh, Pedro Grafal either – prioritizes defense prioritizes offense prioritizes base running like a lot's going to be said by the last four guys that are going to be on the ro- uh on the bench because we obviously know what we're getting in the starting lineup um so it's going to be really interesting to see i think um you know i do think my sheets burger prediction is a little bit on the uh maybe the tinfoil hat side you know i just i really like what they both add to the roster and they do so many different things from each other as well as you know being similar in a lot of ways which is i think what kind of works against them at times but it's going to be really interesting to see. I thought you guys both made some really good points. And, you know, I, I don't think I'd be losing sleep if Billy Hamilton were to make this roster just because of what he adds to the clubhouse. And let's be real, the fan base absolutely freaking loves him. There's just absolutely no denying that. And uh, as being a big Scott Pesednik guy growing up, I like speed on the base pass. So, um, but I do think going into this outfield conversation that we did just have, um, I think our Sox on 35th contributor, Adam Kaplan, is going to have a lot to say on this. So, um, Maybe, maybe we'll hold off a little bit before we get jump into this interview with Adam, because I feel like he's going to have a pretty strong opinion about the fourth outfield spot, as well as uh, the potential of Tim Anderson. You know, our boy, uh, our boy Adam just dropped a really good article about Tim Anderson possibly moving to second base. Um, and without further ado, we are now joined by Sox on 35th contributor, Adam Kaplan. Alright, we are now joined by Socks on 35th Senior Contributor Adam Kaplan. Um, Adam, it's great to have you on the show. Um, as always, I really love any Socks on 35th contributors we can get on here. It's, it's really special to get a Senior Contributor on here. So that's really glad to have you on um we just finished up discussing our uh, fourth outfield option as far as the roster goes um not not to really just jump right in but let's jump right in you know what i mean so i don't know if you have any opinions on the fourth outfield spot but i feel like it's been a really polarizing conversation as far as uh, the entire fan base but adam how are you doing first of all and then how are you feeling about the fourth outfield spot
3: Thanks, Duke. Thanks for having me. Uh, I got to say, I'm a little disappointed I wasn't on the inaugural episode. I thought um, I think I'm a little bit better than Chuck Garfine, but I guess you guys back to differ. What are you going to do? Um, in terms of the fourth outfielder, I kind of just think the way this team is right now, I would have loved to have seen Han have gotten two outfielders this offseason, but so as it stands now, um, I kind of just think Eloy's just going to be the fourth outfielder. I th- I'm so pessimistic on. Luis Robert playing even 120 games. (sighs) I hope I'm wrong. Um, But I just think if if he's out for any stretch of time, then you move Collis over to center and you have Eloy play right. And then you can play Vaughn, Berger, Sheets in the DH spot. So in terms of that last roster spot, I'm going Billy Hamilton just for his defense and his speed. Um, I don't really care about Jake Marisnyk or Victor Reyes or... I think, I, I think you guys talked about Roman Gonzalez. I'm super down on, on Romy. And, again, I hope I'm wrong on all these guys. But if I had a, to pick one less guy for the roster to, who's an actual outfielder, I'm choosing Billy Hamilton.
0: Okay, yeah. And uh, Billy was actually a guy that we had a pretty polarizing conversation about. Um, definitely uh, something that's going to be kind of coming to a head within the next week. Um, but, you know, so I really like the insight there. The Billy Hamilton stuff I think is important. Um, I do want to note that I think Ben Attendee could also play some center field, so I think that opens up the outfield corners. But um, so really the, the main reason we brought you on, Adam, is you brought up uh, – you have a pretty good article about the idea of moving Tim Anderson to second base. I think that's kind of a – you know that's kind of a polarizing – idea in its own sense i think everybody's kind of accustomed to tim anderson at shortstop um and i think there's kind of like this idea and you know jordan i know as someone who uh, coaches baseball you can kind of attest to this but the shortstop's kind of like the captain of the infield per se it's usually the shortstop or the first baseman and with jose bray leaving that kind of leaves tim anderson as kind of that default spot um, so how do you feel about um Tim Anderson potentially playing second base? You know, um, really, really dive into how uh your thoughts that you kind of brought out in this article.
3: Yeah, so if anyone who can't see, I'm rocking my Tim Anderson number seven hat. Love my guy, Tim Anderson. I'm also wearing a socks polo because you guys I heard were rightfully ribbon Nick earlier for not wearing any socks gear, so I made sure to come prep and I come prepared. Um, I I think it's an interesting debate that I decided to write about just because Tim Anderson right now is playing in the WBC at second with Trey Turner at shortstop USA manager Mark DeRosa decided to put Tim at second um, to get his bet in the lineup and I think you know it hasn't really caused much outrage but when you think about it I mean The general consensus is that Tim isn't the greatest shortstop defender, and while for the past couple years he was getting better, he kind of took a downturn in 2022. He had, like, I feel like a two-week stretch where it felt like he was getting an error every single game, and after that two-week stretch, like, he, he played his way out of it. He didn't really have an error for the rest of the year, but he's not the greatest defender, so now that... The White Sox have Elvis Andrews, who've technically has agreed to play second base. I was just thinking, would it be, is it like really the worst idea to have Elvis actually play short and
0: Tim play second this season? I, I do think it's a little bit of an interesting idea, and I think there might be some merit to the idea of potentially moving Tim to second base where he's not going to get as many of those pole grounders per se as like you're going to get at shortstop, you know, shortstop's usually where you want your strongest defender on the infield. And, you know, while Tim has had times where he's looked like a pretty strong defender, he's kind of been moving in that right direction. I do think, uh, I do think there is merit to what you're saying, I guess just to kind of bounce this back at you, because I, I kind of have a little bit of an interesting thought with it because I've been a proponent of, Bringing up the idea of potentially moving a guy like Yoan Mankata to second base, uh, moving him to the middle of the infield as uh, and as as an athletic guy, um, and potentially moving a guy like Jake Berger to third base to potentially, you know, give us a little bit more power in the lineup when we've really had some power outages in the past, really the past year, I think it was painfully obvious that we just could not get the long ball going or get anything really to the gaps, but um, do you think with a move like this, do you think the upside is high enough to potentially cause some sort of like shakeup in the middle of the infield? Like, do you think Elvis Andrews at shortstop over Tim Anderson is going to be enough for a significant upgrade compared to like a guy like Yo Makata going to second base and bringing in a bat like Jake Berger off the bat? Like, do you think that this is adding enough to like the entire team to be able to make this move right now?
3: So to address the first part of your question, I know that was thrown out last year when of moving Mancada to second. I'm like personally, I I don't like it just because Mancada is such an he's so good defensively at third, and despite his bat problems, like I feel like his bat problems then would be no matter where you put him. Like especially last year, I mean they seem to be improving this year. I mean fingers crossed, and he's having a great WBC. I'm like really against the idea of moving Moncada to second at all, just cause he's so good at third. And as much as I, I really like I'm rooting for Jake Berger and he definitely like, I think this lineup is going to have power issues. So if Jake Berger can be that power bat, it'd be good to have in the lineup. Just he was, he was so atrocious defensively at third that I don't know if that's the right answer. I, I would be, feel much more comfortable if Berger's on a hot streak to have him DHR at first. Um, To answer the second part of a question, I actually kind of addressed that in the article, is that you can look objectively at Elvis Andrews and Tim Anderson's defense, and I, I, I touch on that in the article. But there is that component of TA is this team now. Like you said, now with Jose Abreu gone, is it worth it to cause any ripples with TA. Um, I kind of think the answer is ultimately no. I am when I, you know, to ruin my own article, you should still check it out. But my conclusion is I, I kind of think it is. And like, I get I think it is a clearly a valid argument. I do think Elvis is a better defender than TA. I don't really think that's that, you know, much of a, um, a hot take, but, is Elvis Andrews going to be on the team next year? Probably not. Um, is TA TA definitely is, and like you were hoping that he gets signed to a long term. I don't. Is it worth it for this year to make the team marginally better, but to piss off your star? Probably not.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and I always like when we write articles and end up with those conclusions, even if you go into it thinking that yo come out with something else, but I just want to say I appreciate that you guys both are approaching Tim Anderson's defense from from your viewpoint because I see a lot of the times not just from general baseball fans but White Sox fans too who have this idea that Tim Anderson is a slight like, unplayably bad defender at short. And I, I understand he had a lot of low lights last year, that one two-week stretch was error after error. But overall, I think the best way to describe his defense is inconsistent, especially year to year. He has years where he's slightly above average, years where he's slightly below Overall, I think it's fair to say that he's an average but inconsistent defender at shortstop. So I do see the argument for saying that, hey, you put him at second base, he has a ton of range. That's a position where that would be you know very much needed. And maybe it helps him cut down on the errors, having the shorter distance to throw. But at the same time, I do agree with Adam with what you just said there, where ultimately it might not be worth the headache.
3: I also think it's funny because when I was for this article, I was looking up Trey Turner, who's the sharding shortstop for... Um, the USA and Tim Anderson's a I would make the easy argument that he's a better defensive shortstop than Trey Turner to be honest Mark DeRosa should probably switch those two so like to put that in perspective you're right Tim Anderson is not that bad is he ever going to be like Carlos Correa level amazing I would hope so but it doesn't look that way I also like just weirdly kind of feel that way about Eloy who like I feel like He's like, he's so bad in right. Oh, my God, you can't play him. Versus Andrew Vaughn, who people kind of liked, who was literally the worst defensive outfielder last year. Um, so, like, Eloy actually in right would be an upgrade for the 2023 Sacks. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, Tim Anderson, is he's very athletic, and he's, he means a lot to this team. And it would be nice if he was a little bit better defensively. But is he as atrocious as I think a lot of fans make him out to be? Absolutely not.
2: So I actually had a very similar thought yesterday in terms of the world baseball or whenever the world baseball classic last game against Venezuela was, I was like, well, Trey Turner's not that great at shortstop that it was justifiable to move Tim Anderson to second base who has never played second base in his career versus Trey Turner who has played second base. So we're we're on the same wavelength there, Adam. I'm curious when you put together this article and, and you're kind of tossing around ideas. This isn't me advocating one way or another. This is just a, a very blanket baseball question. Did you consider what happens as Colson Montgomery enters this timeline? Um, so say he's let's just say he's ready to push the envelope in 2024. Was it something where you you would in in this situation, would you be an advocate for moving Anderson to second base in that situation, moving Montgomery? let's just say the same situation resents itself next year. Do you draw the same conclusion as you do this year with Andrews being the one kind of creating this situation?
3: Yeah, that's a tougher decision because this organization doesn't really have that much loyalty to Elvis Andrews per se versus someone like Colson Montgomery is clearly going to be the new wave of this organization. He is going to be the future. Uh, man it's still you still have to have that conversation with Tim Anderson of you need to switch positions now he has another option next year and then technically the year after in 2025 he's a free agent and if you're Tim Anderson one like you, you got to get that bag you got to get that money and him moving any conversation of him moving to second probably means that he gets less money in free agency so, if you're Tim Anderson, I don't necessarily, unless you're giving him some financial incentive, like, okay, we will extend your contract, you know, even something like what the Cubs gave Dan to be Swanson or a little bit more, like actually give him the $100 million contract that he clearly deserves. And maybe if that comes with the condition of you also have to play second, but we're going to give you this huge amount of money, then I think that's something a little bit different because you're still giving him, like, you still clearly as an organization are, you're trying to treat Tim Anderson with the utmost respect, but also realize, hey, we kind of have this kid who's going to be great. Now, <clears throat> you know, whether he takes it, I mean, I don't envy Rick Hahn on that decision, to be honest. Like, and I think luckily for us as fans, like I don't really want to have that argument right now because that's super tough. Um, you know, we'll see what it happens. But I, I think when, when the when push comes to shove, you still have to do what makes Tim Anderson happy. I, as a fan, would love him to retire as a White Sox. Um, I would love to see him on this team in some way, shape, or form when Colson comes up. You know, Hopefully, if Tim Anderson is ultimately stubborn and he has every right to be to say, no, I want to play shortstop, I think then you probably, as an organization, have to be like, all right, Colson, you're moving to second if you want to make this team or you move moving to third or whatever. Because um, I do think, at the end of the day, it's it's TA and whether or not it you know you can point to some objective statistic or you know per fan graphs this or that I, I kind of think it doesn't matter with him.
0: Yeah, so I I guess one name that kind of popped in my head thinking about this colts Montgomery Tim Anderson situation because this is actually a really good con- this is a really good point and something that people really haven't talked a ton about. Um, it kind of makes me think back to when Gordon Beckham originally got called up. Not a natural third baseman by any sense of the imagination, but that just happened to be the spot that was open on the infield. So I wonder if they don't even bother having that conversation with with Colson Montgomery in that situation. I think Colson, being a shortstop historically, you know, as far as old baseball homage goes, if you can play shortstop, you can essentially play any in- position on the infield. So I, I think Colson would be a pretty natural fit coming into second base, if Tim's still at short, you know, I, I, that's, that's at least the way I kind of see it. And Colson is definitely a guy like that. They're looking at for the future. You, you feel like that would have been one of the top guys to be moved. If the Sox wanted to make an aggressive move. And we just have not made that aggressive move. And he would be the guy kind of centered around a trade like that. You know, like I know jazz Chisholm has been the name that's kind of popped up a lot, um, over the past year, but, Um, I do believe that, I mean, do you think a a situation could be similar like that? Like how it was with Gordon Beckham coming up, kind of just finding a spot in the infield and then eventually going to his natural second base position. Not that I want to compare the careers of Gordon Beckham and, uh, you know, Colson Montgomery because we're all hoping Colson kind of, uh, a little bit better than Gordon, no offense, Gordon Beckham, but, um, do you, do you think that kind of plays out similar?
3: Yeah, I mean, look what the Sox did with Gavin Sheets recently, who's clearly not an outfielder, but they wanted his lefty bat in the lineup. And Gavin was like, I want to make this team. um, Make me, like, I will play outfield. I will do my best. You know, you assume that if Colson's a young and hungry guy and, like, you know, God forbid something happens and, like, oh, yeah, you have to play third or second or right field, that he'd be like, my bat is ready. Let's do it. Let's go. Um,
0: So, you know, we shall see. All right, socks on thirty fifth senior contributor Adam Kaplan. It's been a pleasure to have you on, buddy. Um, where can we find you? What are you up to? Um, just go ahead and give us that uh, that subtle plug.
3: Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Um, follow me on Twitter at millennial socks. Um, I'm also writing a ton of stuff for the site. Just Google Adam Kaplan socks on thirty fifth. Um, you can find my Tim Anderson article I recently wrote about Andrew Vaughn. I've written a bunch about Andrew Vaughn. Type in Angie Vaughn, Adam Kaplan, on 35th. They'll all come up. That's it for right now. Uh, definitely appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Great talk, and I uh, hope to talk to you guys soon.
0: Yep, appreciate it, buddy. Hopefully uh, we're going to see you down the road here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for this week for the Sox on 35th podcast. Once again, our home opener ticket giveaway winner is Preston Andrews. Preston, be sure to reach out to us on Twitter so you can claim your prize. Once again, thank you so much for uh, everyone that got involved in that and entered. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the website at saxon 35thcom as well as following us on Facebook and Twitter at saxon 35th to stay up to date with your Chicago White Sox. This has been Duke Coughlin, joined, as always, by Jordan Lazowski and Nick Gower. We will be back next week as we inch closer to opening day. Thank you, and go Sox. Go Sox. Go
1: Sox.